0: All right, well, I do want to welcome all of you who are watching in our campuses today. My name is Brian, one of the lead pastors here. And for those of you in Bethel, welcome to you again. Uh, To those of you in Waterbury, New Milford, and Derby, just so glad that you're tuning in in this way. We are starting a brand new series today called Walking Wisely. We are going to be going and and using the book of Proverbs, which I'm going to share a little bit about today today but we're gonna learn how to walk wisely. If you have this mastered, then I guess you have an excuse to not come back, but I'm sure your neighbor will tell you that you've done something foolish at some point in your life. Tell your neighbor, no, don't, don't turn to your neighbor right now. We wanna be people who walk wisely. In fact, I wanted to kind of start us off with a little game, if we, if we could. This is a game I call Wise or Foolish. And so I'm going to put a, a picture up, and then I'm going to ask you whether this person is being wise or foolish, okay? And I want you to, to yell it out when you, when you know the answer, okay? Does this sound good? Are the directions clear? Waterbury, you got it, okay? Derby, New Milford? And, and really yell out whether you think this person is being wise or foolish. Now listen, none of you are in these pictures, okay? I don't think. We'll find out. Well, I guess I don't think. We'll see. All right. Let's take a look at this one. Okay. This is the first one. Do you think this person is being wise or foolish? Ready? One, two, three. Foolish. Right? I mean, why would you chainsaw or saw while in a suit? doesn't make any sense to me, right? doesn't make any sense. All right. Let's try another one. Here's another one, right? Is this being wise or foolish? Ready? One, two, three. Foolish. Foolish. All right. Raise the hands. How many of you have tried this? How many of you have tried this? couple of you, couple of you. That wasn't very wise for raising your hands right there. All right, here's another one, all right? Let's take a look at this next one. Are you ready? One, two, three. Foolish. Foolish. How many of you have tried it, though? Same people who stuck the fork in the toaster, by the way, which is interesting. All right, here's maybe a little bit difficult one. You're gonna have to look at this one for a little bit, maybe. All right, take a look at this. Okay. One, two, three. Foolish. Foolish. You can see that one person's headed in the wrong direction. McKenna's getting her permit, hopefully, on Thursday. Well, I don't know. Should I hope for it or not? I'm not sure, but uh, she would know the answer to this one right now. Okay, let's look at this next one. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Foolish. Foolish. Never stick your hand in an alligator's mouth. You know, they teach you that very early in life, don't they? Okay, a couple more. This is what I call the ladder sequence. Okay, here we go. How about this one? Can you see this? This this bright star right here. All right, ready? One, two, three. Foolish. Foolish. Yeah, somebody said that with conviction, meaning they've experienced it firsthand, I think. I think they may have experienced that one firsthand. Okay, ladder number two. Let's take a look at this one. Okay, it's always good. When you're, when you're using multiple ladders, generally it's one, two, three. Foolish. I, you know, I had to really study this one to see all that was going on. There are about 20 different foolish things happening in this picture. Now my favorite one. Here we go. Take a look at this one. I really like this one. I really like this one. I mean, when you look really close, I'm not sure this guy should be using a hedge clipper in the first place, let alone on top of multiple ladders. Although he's doing a pretty good job, isn't he, on on that shrub there, on that tree. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Foolish. All right, let's take those pictures down and go back to our regular graphic series. I don't. Based on that survey, I don't know if I need to do this sermon series on walking wisely. You have scored very high on the foolish versus wise. You know, all of these pictures were foolish. In fact, maybe we could say it's it's easier to find a foolish picture than it is to find a wise picture in today's world. I wanna spend the next 10 weeks uh, looking at what it means to be people who walk wisely. We are in our theme year called Heaven on Earth, and we're getting down to the ground level now. How do we actually see Heaven come to Earth? It happens in and through us when we walk wisely. When we walk in wisdom. And so we're going to go through a lot of the Proverbs here in these next 10 weeks. And I want to encourage you on a very practical level here. I want to encourage you to read through the book of Proverbs as we do this study. Now listen, we're going to be in this study for the next 62 days there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I never scored very well in math, but if you add those two together, 31 times two, what do you do, it's 62. So you could read through the book of Proverbs twice in this series, ending on June 26. I wanna encourage you to do that in your first 20, that's the first 20 minutes of your day. Take a proverb and each day for the next 62 days, read a proverb and ask the Lord uh, to bless you in that and speak to you in it. Let me share a little bit about the book of Proverbs and then we're going to get into chapter one, verses one through seven, which I'll read in just a moment. There are three books called wisdom literature in the scriptures. They are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. Now, if you want a full view, full picture of what it means to live wisely and walk in wisdom, you should read all three of these books as they provide different pictures and vantage points about what wisdom is. We're going to spend our time in the book of Proverbs. The term proverb is simply a, a simple and clever kind of pithy phrase that brings wisdom into a person's life. Brings practical advice into a person's life. The book, as you read in chapter 1, attributes these proverbs and these poems to King Solomon. This is David's son. And you might remember that in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon goes and he asks the Lord for something. And I love how he asks the Lord for wisdom. I wonder if you were to ask the Lord for anything right now, what would it be? He asks for wisdom. He's the king. He wants wisdom because he wants to be a good king and he wants to lead the people of Israel well. And the Lord blesses him with wisdom. We're gonna talk more about that in a moment because wisdom is a gift from God. I love how he he blesses Solomon with this wisdom. When you go on in 1 Kings chapter four, we read that Solomon went on to write thousands of proverbs and poems We believe that the book of Proverbs comes from the wealth of wisdom that the Lord gave Solomon. And maybe Solomon didn't pen it himself, but people put it together based on the wise words of King Solomon. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is to give the reader, any reader, us now, any reader in the future, a set of skills to be able to live in God's world, God's way. What an important book, right? 62 days, maybe 365 days we should be reading a proverb so that we can learn how to live in God's world, God's way. Let me share a little bit about the layout of the book just so you kind of have an understanding as you get into it over these next 62 days. There are three sections in the book of Proverbs. The first section is chapters one through nine. This includes an introduction, which I'm going to read in just a moment, but then it also includes 10 speeches and four poems. The 10 speeches come from a father giving a a word of wisdom to a son, and there are 10 of these, and there are really three themes in these 10 speeches, and these three themes become the logic and the lenses that we should read the whole book of Proverbs through, The first theme that the father teaches his son is to live wisely. He's urging his son to live a life of integrity, a life of generosity, a life following the Lord. The second theme that the father speaks to the son about is to avoid foolishness. (laughs) Avoid foolishness. And he's very clear with the son. If you fall into foolishness, it's going to lead to your ruin, it's going to lead to shame, and it's going to lead you far from God. Avoid foolishness at all costs. And the third theme that the father speaks to the son about is to put God first. He wants his son to serve the one true God and to place God above everything else. These three themes of live wisely, avoid foolishness, and put God first become the lenses that we should wear as we read the book of Proverbs. Next come four poems in this section. And they're poems from what the author calls Lady Wisdom. It's a woman who is, it's, a, it's here wisdom is personified as a woman who's walking the earth and roaming the earth looking for anybody who wants to learn how to walk wisely. In one sense, what you could say this is, is this is the spirit of God who roams the earth looking for any person who wants to know how to live wisely. What this teaches us is that we can all live lives of wisdom. That the Lord can bless us with this gift, all who want to turn to him. In section two, it's chapters 10 through 29. And these are really all the Proverbs, all these quick and clever sayings that bring wisdom into people's lives. And there are hundreds of them in a variety of topics. You have topics such as work, sex, friendship, marriage, debt, A whole host of different topics that these Proverbs speak into and teach us how to live. The third and final section is chapters 30 and 31. Just two chapters here. And here you have a couple different uh, people speaking. One is a man named Agur. And Agur is a person who is seeking for wisdom and finds wisdom by reading the holy word. But then, after reading the holy word and gaining this wisdom, he goes out and he lives it. Agur becomes a model of who we are to be, people who seek for wisdom and find it in God's holy word, but don't just leave it there. Don't just memorize it. Live it out. The next part here in this third section is another poem, and it's by a man named Lemuel. And he was passed down wisdom from his mother, which all of us. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Amen. I've gotten some wisdom from my mom. And here Lemuel writes it out. One of his poems is about how to be a good leader, and then his second poem is what's called an acrostic. It takes the alphabet of, the, of, of Hebrew, and every letter in the Hebrew alphabet, it has a line for it. And it's about a, a woman who lives a noble life. Now here's the thing that often gets misunderstood with Proverbs 31, by the way, is that it's just for the women. No. <laughs> It actually teaches us how to live a life of nobility, how to be noble people, and it just so happens that it's written about a woman. But you can, men, you can take this proverb as well and glean much from it. Let me just say one more thing about the book of Proverbs that I think will be helpful for us as we read through it. The Proverbs are not promises. It's actually really important for us to know. The Proverbs are not a health and wealth manual. If I just do these things, these things will happen. No, these things are not promised to you. But these Proverbs teach us how to live wisely. And then it speaks in these generalizations of the highest probability. If you live this way, you should expect to see these things. But... There are different things that can happen that maybe things don't go the way the proverb says it. Let me give you an example to help us in this. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, maybe, maybe you know that proverb, and for you, maybe you have a child you've raised up, and you've done a great job raising them up in a family, and you've taught them the things, but... They haven't held on to those. So is that a result of your poor faith? Well, if this is a promise, well, then we have to say, oh, wow, we really missed it here. But actually, these Proverbs are just setting up the greatest probability for you. You should live this way. You should train up your children. You should provide an environment where they can grow and mature in the Lord. And if you do, you have the greatest probability that they will hold on to these truths and live them out. Now, friends, we know that we live in a broken world and the evil one messes about. And sometimes he gets in, and whether it's about this proverb or another proverb, that that the child doesn't go in that way, we're not to reflect it on our own faith or our bad parenting. We're to live this way and allow God to do the rest. A proverb teaches us to do these things so that the probability is much higher that they will in fact go in the direction that the proverb speaks about. Let me read our our proverb for today. It comes out of Proverbs chapter one. I'm gonna read verses one through seven, and we're really gonna land on verse seven uh, for most of the message, remaining message. This is what it says. These are the proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give, will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. I love that. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Here's the passage we're going to really concentrate on today. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom And discipline. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Well, we learned from that introduction that the purpose of the Proverbs is to teach people about wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? If we're going to be in here for 10 weeks talking about wisdom, we need to decide what is wisdom. There's this great story of the automaker Henry Ford. He asked an electrical genius named Charlie Steinmetz to build him some generators that would power his factory. And Steinmetz did just that. He built these generators that would power Ford's factory. Well, one day, the generator broke down. And so Ford got his very best engineers to take a look at it, and none of them could figure out how to get the generators to work again. So Ford had to make the call back to Steinmetz and say, hey, listen, I need some help. You built these things. Can you come and help me? And so Charlie Steinmetz comes to the Ford factory. He looks at the machines. He tinkers with them a little bit. And then he flicked the switch and boom, they started up again. A few weeks later, Ford received a bill, $10,000. He thought to himself, what's this? $10,000. Ford, being a person who didn't like to spend money where he didn't want to spend money, called Steinmetz and said, hey, what's the deal here, my friend? Break this down for me. Help me understand how you're getting this charge. So Steinmetz said, listen, here it is. For tinkering with the generators, $10. For knowing where to tinker, $9,990. Ford paid the bill friends you could say that wisdom is knowledge applied steinmetz was valuable to ford in this moment because he knew something but not just that he knew it he knew how to apply it so that there could become a great results let me share a couple other definitions of wisdom that i found the 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 dictionary's definition of wisdom sounds like this it's the ability to discern or judge what is true right or lasting I like that definition because it uses that word discern. There's actually a spiritual aspect, even in the dictionary, on how to have wisdom. You need to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. On the opposite here, oftentimes we we get knowledge and wisdom mixed up. The definition of knowledge is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. Knowledge can exist without wisdom but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. One can be knowledgeable without being wise. Becca reminded me of a quote that I think is just dead on. In this information age, the world is drowning in information and starving for wisdom. We can have all kinds of knowledge and still not be wise. I knew how to use a chainsaw. And so I asked my dad if I could use his chainsaw. He said yes. And so I took the chainsaw, I cut the tree down that I wanted to cut down, and then I saw that the stump was still there. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to dig out the stump with the chainsaw. So I did that. It ruined the chainsaw. I hope my dad already knows that. I knew how to use a chainsaw. I didn't know when, where, or why. You know, we can know the how, but we can still be unwise. Knowledge knows how. Wisdom not only knows how, but also knows when, where, and why. Knowledge understands that the light has just turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. Knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around it. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments. Wisdom applies it to your life. Knowledge learns of God. Wisdom loves him. A couple other definitions of wisdom. This was by Doug Larson, who was a Wisconsin-based writer in the mid-90s. He says this, Wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. (laughs) I think there's some truth in that, but I also don't think you have to wait a lifetime to be wise. You can see a teenager display great wisdom. There's an unknown definition out there. It says, a wise person learns by the experience of others, the ordinary person learns by their own experience, and a fool learns by nobody's experience. J.I. Packer says this, wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal. Together with the surest means of attaining it. You know, the Hebrew word for wisdom is this word hokmah, hokma. Hokmah is not just intellectual knowledge, it goes much further than that. The word is actually used to describe a skilled artisan, usually a woodworker or a stonemason, somebody who had great knowledge an ability but then use that knowledge and ability to as a skill to actually create something beautiful this is what wisdom is is that we come into the knowledge of our god we know him but then we live a life that creates something beautiful based on how he calls us to live You know, there's something more to wisdom, even. In James chapter one, verse five, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Wisdom is a gift from God. You see, I'm talking about godly wisdom right now. That's what I'm talking about. And that actually, we're invited to ask God for godly wisdom. Wisdom beyond our means without God. What a gift that we can actually walk wisely. Godly wisdom is not just learned, it's received. You receive the presence of God through the spirit of God. And when you are filled with the spirit of God, part of the gift that comes with that is the wisdom of God. And so you can't just learn wisdom Oh, if I just get it all right and I memorize all these wise sayings. No, you need the spirit of God within you because it's the spirit of God that brings godly wisdom into a person's life. And friends, this is so important for several different reasons. It's so important to be people who walk wisely. Here's why. For your good. It's for your good to walk wisely. Wisdom helps you prioritize things in life. It helps you say, this is unordained work. I'm not going to do that. Wisdom helps you prioritize things in life. Wisdom helps you avoid pitfalls, even before you know what those pitfalls might be. The Spirit of God, have you ever had the Spirit of God say, you know what, you shouldn't take that job. You shouldn't go over here. You shouldn't say that thing. And it clearly helped you avoid a major pitfall before you even saw it. Wisdom helps us not repeat mistakes. Wisdom cultivates a good character. Wisdom develops healthy relationships with others. Wisdom leads to greater peace and joy in your life. Wisdom is for your good. But secondly, wisdom is for the good of others as well. When you make wise decisions, it blesses other people. In fact, that's why I think God gives us the gift of wisdom. It's not just for you. He gives you the gift of wisdom so that you can be a blessing to others. Isn't this what we're called to be? That we're called to be a blessing to others. He blesses us so that we can bless others. And so he gives you the gift of wisdom, his presence through the power of his spirit, so that you can bless others. When we wisely choose forgiveness, it blesses others. When we wisely choose to be peacemakers, it blesses others. When we wisely choose what is best for the family and not just ourselves, it blesses everyone. When we choose to lead with integrity in our workplaces, in our homes, it doesn't just bless us, it blesses every person that we come in contact with. But there's a third reason why we should desire to walk wisely, And that's because it's for the good of the kingdom of God. When we walk wisely, we get to begin to see the kingdom of God coming and being built in and through us. Through wise choices, God builds his kingdom in and through us. It was wise of Andrew to bring the loaves and the fish to Jesus. It was really wise of the friends to lower their buddy before the feet of Jesus. It was wise of the church to pray for Peter when he was imprisoned. It was wise for Moses to say yes to God. Each of these things led to extraordinary ways that God built his kingdom in and through his people. And so we want to walk wisely so that we can be a part of building the kingdom of God. So where does wisdom start? Which brings us back to verse seven of chapter one. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. If you were to look at a sprinter, they start in the starting blocks. Well, the starting blocks of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? We've heard that phrase before, haven't we? Fear God. What does this mean? This is not about terror. You think about the angels when they appear before Mary and Joseph and the others, what do they say first? Do not be afraid. It's not about this terror before the Lord but it's about a healthy sense of awe and reverence for the Lord. It's about holding God in his rightful place, and it's about knowing our place. A person who fears God places God in his rightful place. This is Isaiah when the Lord meets him and he bows down. He says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips in the presence of God. We place God on his throne. A person who fears the Lord also knows where they are placed. We have this dog on our little farm. His name is Bear because he's gigantic. He's like 130 pounds. This dog is a livestock guardian dog. He's a Merima sheep dog. And he's never been in our house. The best kind of dog. (laughs) We've been trying to teach Bear how to guard the livestock. And he does a pretty good job. But one of the things that we're teaching him is this word place. We tell him where he should be and we have him sit and then we say place. This is your spot, bear. Here you're in a good place. We will encourage you, pet you, even give you some treats along the way. This is your place. Don't run off and bite the goats. That's not your place. This is your place. It's better for you to be right here. Sometimes Bear doesn't like to be in his place. One of his places is in the fenced area. But oftentimes he'll get excited, see a bunny run through the yard and he'll jump over the fence. I told you, he's 130 pounds, he's like a small horse. Jumps over the fence. But here's the thing, when Bear jumps over the fence and he goes and he runs around throughout the neighborhood, he always comes back cut up and with burrs all over him. It's not for his good to go outside of his place. Friends, when a person fears the Lord, they recognize they are not God, and they don't get to make up the rules of what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. We have a perfect one who has set those standards. Instead, a person who fears the Lord humbly embraces God's position as God. God. You are ruler, you are sustainer, and if you say my place is here, it's in my best interest to be here, to live this way. You know, I wanted to give you a picture of what it looks like to fear the Lord. And so I came up with this list, it's it's not exhaustive, but I think it'll give us at least a picture, because I don't want you walking away from here saying, yeah, fear the Lord, but I don't really know what that looks like. Let's go even further. What does a, a person who fears the Lord look like? First, they put God first. They want God to be above all. God is placed first in their life. That means they respond to God first before responding to anything else. Secondly, they intentionally seek God. A person who fears the Lord believes that God is present, and if God is present, I want to know what God has for me. And so I'm going to intentionally and deliberately make time for God in my life. Why? Because I fear him. I'm in awe of him. There's reverence for him. If he's going to speak, I want him to speak to me. Third, they take God's word seriously. A person who fears the Lord believes that this is the written word, that it's here to inspire and to to transform our lives. And, And so a person who fears the Lord digs into scripture Seeking God to speak to them. A person who fears the Lord obeys God no matter what. A person who fears the Lord hears what other people are saying. And if God says something different, they say to themselves, I'm going with God. I'm walking with God on this one. It might not even seem you know, plausible, but if God said it, I'm going for it. Fifth. A person who fears the Lord regularly exer- experiences the goodness of God. I wanted to put this one in here because this is not a, 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 a hands and chains scenario. <laughs> when you fear the Lord and you serve him with your life, you get to experience the goodness of God on a regular basis. When you say, God, you're first, you're first in all things— when you seek God, when you take his word seriously, when you obey him no matter what, actually, what you get to experience is not the terror of God. You get to experience the goodness of God. Six, they worship the Lord wholeheartedly. When you are in awe of your creator, you can't help but bow down and worship him. He is the greatest thing. Is always aware of God's presence. A person who fears the Lord is a person who's constantly aware that God is here and moving, that at any moment, God might want to break through. And finally, is a person who continually matures in the Lord, a person who fears the Lord, has a desire to grow and walk uh, further in their journey of maturity. I loved in chapter one, I, I read it there, it says basically, if you're wise, get wiser. I love that. You're not off the hook either. There's more for you to discover in the Lord. Do you know before the word Christian ever was used, people who believed in God and followed him were called God-fearers. God-fearers, why were they called that? Well, because they were people who saw that God was awesome. They were people who wanted to please God with their lives. And they were people who actively obeyed God no matter what. Let me leave you with a very practical challenge. I wonder, where are you planted? Where are you planted? Where you, where you are planted really matters. I remember Becca and I trying to find on our property the best place to grow tomatoes. It took us a few different tries. A couple of occasions we planted them and there was no tomatoes. Well, we found the spot, friends. We found the spot that produces tomatoes and we've planted the, the plants there, because we know that they're going to produce right there in that place. I wonder, where are you planted? Is fruit being produced? Where is your source for wisdom right now? For far too many people, social media is their source for wisdom. Their news channels are their source for wisdom. Wisdom. Maybe even a bad crowd is your source of wisdom. Where are you planted? How are you spending your time would be a good litmus test for this. It matters where you're planted. I want to invite you into a very specific challenge right now. I want to invite you to plant yourself in the wisdom of God. And here's how I want to encourage us to do this. I want to encourage you to ask God for wisdom. Now let me get even more specific with you. Most of us have a calendar. It might be on our phone. It might be on your wall. If you don't have one, you can get one. And I want us to ask God for wisdom and use our calendars as our prayer guide. Every morning, I want to challenge you to get up, read your proverb, open your calendar, and see the different appointments and different things that you have to do on your calendar. Like I said, if you don't have one, start one. Write those things down. You say, oh, I've got this appointment with Joy. Oh, I've got this doctor's appointment. Oh, I've got this soccer game that I have to take my kid to. Lord, give me wisdom for this meeting that I have with Joy. Lord, is there anything right now you want to communicate to me, reveal to me, Give me insight for before I get there. Help me be there before I have to be there. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, I have this, this work meeting that I've been preparing for. Lord, can you give me wisdom into that? What posture should I be going into that meeting with? Lord, I'm just taking my kid to soccer, but could you make this a holy moment? I'm just standing at the, at the sidelines, but Lord, could you give me wisdom, insight, into somebody who might be hurting and needing a word of encouragement? Lord, I'm asking for wisdom. Friends, I'm telling you, if you take me up on this challenge, if, I think it'll change your life in the next 62 days. I think the Lord's gonna speak to you. I think the Lord's gonna give you instructions. I think he's gonna teach you how to walk wisely and you're gonna come out of these 60 days with innumerable stories. And, uh, 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 I don't know what that word is. A large number of stories about how God has moved powerfully. Will you take me up on the challenge? Will you? Let's see how God moves. Hey, I pray this has been helpful for all of us. Thank you for continuing to watch in, in Waterbury, New Milford, and Derby. And we just, um, we're so thankful that God empowers us with the gift of wisdom so that we can live in his world, his way, to bring his kingdom. I pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus himself. Amen. 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 Well, friends, let's, uh, let's stand together, could we? Invite our worship team. I'm not going to invite our worship team forward. (laughs) I'm just going to pray for us as we go, and I'm going to give us a benediction. Just a couple of things before we go. Friends, if you have um, a desire for prayer today, we have prayer servants in our prayer room. We'd love the chance to to pray with you, and so please take advantage of that. And uh, also, we we shared over Easter weekend that we have a concert coming up uh, this weekend, the Andrew Peterson concert, and so please. Uh, sign up for that bring a friend to it it's a great opportunity uh, to invite people back to church and so you can find out about that on our website well hey i'm just going to pray a prayer for us if that's okay i'm just going to pray a prayer over us that as we go that we would be people who walk wisely Um, i'm sure all of us have experienced walking wisely before and the results of that i'm sure all of us have experienced walking in foolishness too amen come on we are not perfect people. We serve a perfect Jesus, but we are not perfect. Maybe you even acted foolishly this morning on that branch, cutting it down in your full suit, right? Well, Lord, we come before you and we, um, we confess that oftentimes we act foolishly. We react without responding. We react without praying. Lord, we go into to situations without ever asking for your wisdom. Lord, we go into days without ever asking to be filled. And so, Lord, we just pray for these next 62 days, Lord, that you would teach us how to walk wisely. Don't just give us a ton of knowledge that we don't use. Lord, I pray that you would bring us into a greater knowledge of who you are and then challenge us and give us opportunities to walk it out. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we pray through our calendar, that we might see things early in the morning, that you might give us insight into things early in the morning that would be a part of building your kingdom throughout the day. And so I pray for my my brothers and sisters here today, that you'd bless them in this challenge. And Lord, uh, more than that, I pray that people would come to Jesus. I pray for new believers. I pray for uh, people along the road that we interact with, Lord, that they would have an encounter with you and that they would uh, come into a knowledge of you, but then also step into wisdom as well. And so, Lord, be with us and walk with us as we learn how to walk wisely. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, friends, go. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you soon.